Welcome to The Daily Wrap-Up, a concise show dedicated to bringing you the most relevant independent news as we see it from the last 24 hours. Tuesday, April 18th, 2023. Thank you for joining me today. Have some follow-ups today, of course, on some topics we just covered, including the transgender agenda. And that doesn't mean, I mean, that's going to mean something different to everybody out there we're talking to or who's listening, right? Some people are going to hear that as the agenda of all the trans communities. Some people will hear that as the agenda that's being, that the, that is using the trans community. There's a lot of different ways to hear it. We're going to go over an additional point to what I've discussed before, which in my opinion is obviously that this is a, a used and like, like any other topic, there's people in this community that buy the narrative that act in violence, just like they're supposed to, and people that are in that community that see through it. And it's being used, just like any other situation. And we're going to get into some overlaps, or actually some um, research done in regard to a CIA tie to the origins of this transgender agenda, which is very, exact. I mean, it's not surprising to me at all, and it speaks to a larger controlled illusion of, of you know, everything that we deal with day in and day out. I mean, let's not forget, we did a focus on this just uh, maybe a week ago. Uh, the the CIA director from the Reagan administration is on the record, and this has been verified many times over, despite efforts to hide this, that he had said that the mo when everything the American people think is false, our mission will be complete or something in the paraphrasing. I think I might have said one word incorrect or different word, but that's this is the reality. This is where their minds were at all that time ago. I don't I don't believe anything has changed. So we're going to talk about how that's being used. We're going to talk about some very alarming directions and developments in regard to the, you know, you might be forgiven for thinking that this whole COVID-19 agenda has fallen apart and it's over, but it's not. And they are very clearly driving this forward, including new injections, which I almost can't believe it happened so quickly. Just after the national emergency has ended, despite there being their, their loopholes with public with 319 versus 564 with the pup, the prep act and the way that they're playing. And, and I'm going to get into just extensions of the emergency authorizations as well from the FDA. None of which really makes sense. If you understand what these mean, just because they have an explanation or a narrative or a new definition doesn't mean these things are legitimate, justified, accurate. We we're dealing with captured agencies and corrupt people here. We have to see that by now. We're going to talk about the new, the new emergency authorized by authorized bivalent shot of all the things to come together. The emergency authorized, which is going to be, you know, drawing gate. I mean, people are going to be confused by that with it, especially since they all oh, didn't. We just end the emergency on top of the fact that it's another bivalent shot, despite all the information that's come out about that from peer reviewed science across the board. It's just obvious that they don't seem to care. We're also going to talk about to begin a, a uh, well, two things, actually, a two party illusion, the independent, the reality of what our country is, even according to their own information and why that's such an obvious contrast and what it really shows us. And a couple of other things I might get into if I've got the time. I have somewhere I'm going to be today, a, a really uh, great meetup that I'm excited to go to. So I need to be off by a certain time. So I didn't include certain things in the in the chat or in the comment, or <laughs> the title. So if I get to it, I'll include it. Otherwise, I'll put it off to the next show. I won't even mention it just in case. <laughs> so because you know how these things tend to go. There's a lot of stuff to get into, but I only left myself a few topics to make sure I got to these ones for sure. Now, I want to start with something I think is very interesting that you might have. So we, we already saw this happening. The the labeling of certain outlets as government funded media, which I, I'm happy to see because they are. Now, it needs to be all the all one way or the other. Quite frankly, if it was my opinion, we shouldn't need any of it. 
Nobody, nothing needs to be branded or labeled because, of course, people doing it will all, even if with the best of intentions, whatever that means, will apply their lens and may, on a very fine line, decide to lean one way or the other when it's up in the air. Right. And that that is how honest people can even end up getting pushed and nudged by the agenda. Right. So what I'm saying is it should be none of that. And of course, it should be up to you as a grown up to make your own decisions about what you think is true or not and do your own due diligence. We don't need Twitter telling us what is and is not government funded media. That should be up to you. And you should be able to look at information and show, have discernment and, and just and, and realize anybody, whether government funded or not, can absolutely be lying to you or misinformed. I don't know why that's such a hard thing for people to grasp, but back to this, that it is happening, I still find it, again, like I said before, in a sort of an amusing way. Because these are the platforms that have stood all tall and proud and acted like they're the real media, as everybody else who challenges their false narratives are looked at as fringe people in their mother's basements or whatever their stupid, insulting art, you know, uh, overlaps that they apply to anybody who doesn't toe the line. So it's kind of in its own, it's amusing to see this happen. What I pointed out before, though, and I'm showing it today because it's been added to more, is that it still seems to be sort of subjective. If this was a, if this was a, a you know, there's if there's metrics to this that they have to meet, then let's see them. Show them to everybody so we understand what, what, what you're applying to each one and you're applying it fairly. Right. Does that make sense? And on top of that, that the the whatever metrics they are using, let's let's be able to we should be able to prove that that is, in fact, aligned with what you found. But what's interesting to me and, my, and the other point would be if that is something that you have, which is just like this template that you can apply to every news outlet. Why hasn't it been done for all of them? And it should be over by now. I think you get where I'm going with this, even though this feels like a fun and, and good direction for people that like us that have been censored the whole time. Like, you know, how easy it would be for me to go. Yeah, screw them. Fake news. That's what they want from us, guys. They want us to be that simple. That's how this works. They give you that. They Even if, often using the truth, just like Twitter files and a lot of other examples. They want to lull you in to that trustworthy idea. We talked about the BBC interview this morning on AM Wake Up and how that potentially was part of that dynamic. Coming in with this bumbling BBC idiot and making it look so obvious that we want to go, yep, without even realizing it, that you're basically on Elon's side. Maybe some of you already are anyway, but that seems like the whole point. But back to this government funded media, according to ABC News in Australia media, they did, in fact, which I'm glad to see one of the most obvious examples of straight up government intelligence operated media, government funded media, Radio Free Europe, Radio Liberty, which I'm sure all of these platforms are absolutely livid about. Which, again, in that moment, I go, that makes me happy because I think that they are and I think that they know that they are and they don't really care at some level. NPR, we saw before. They already, they now have it. But, oh, and then here's, uh, oh, that was the same one, ABC News. Oh, well, here's what's funny, though. That was why I included this. I thought it was kind of interesting that this was one of the earlier ones I saw, and I thought it was interesting that right after this, not to say that I know this was why, but they posted this in regard to no launch today, kind of highlighting that Elon Musk had to postpone something based on some kind of problem, and then, boom, slap him with a government media. But <laughs> just... I wouldn't be surprised if it was literally that subjective and that kind of childish, really, which we shouldn't be okay with, even though I'm happy to see these people get called out what they are. But here's CNN. That's odd, right? Why wouldn't CNN, one of the most obvious ones in this realm, not be labeled? Here's Fox. Fox News doesn't have it, right? So there's a line being drawn here. If we're actually going to argue that ABC News or these, which are, in my opinion, all of these are government funded, why wouldn't we make it ubiquitous? I think that's pretty telling. Here's CBS News. Nothing. 
Here is CBC. 69% government funded? Well, that's quite interesting. I didn't know yet. I didn't know how to link on it. Well, here we go. Right here. I didn't see this. About government and media account labels on Twitter. We'll see if they do, in fact, have are defined as defined as outlets where the state exercises control over editorial content. Yeah, so this is just really generalized, as far as I can tell so far. That that can be applied through a lens of any, but like the point is that's all of them then. All of them. Where's the 69% come into play? How are you where are these metrics? And how and yeah, that's exactly what I figured. So where are the metrics to be like, okay, here's why it's not 70%, right? Here's how they got 69 out of 100. I don't actually believe that's happening, just to be clear. I don't know why it's a 69%, but that is interesting. You guys can read that for yourselves. And then, oh, I thought this was kind of interesting, by the way. Here is uh, Patrick Corbett, citizen journalist and filmmaker, who is a field producer for Dateline NBC, who follows me. Eh, I just think that's interesting. Maybe they're using my work to... to fun narrative to feed narratives to the corporate media but i wanted to make another point before we got started that i thought was very interesting and actually two points in the the one starting point about the two-party illusion is i thought this this is very concerning to me talking about censorship today i had dealt with something that i was very very upset by from on a personal note because i had an interview set through somebody that you guys know that doesn't important to mention that, that i'm friends with that ultimately knew somebody who had a very, very important scientific study censored in, in the way that we've seen so far, where the editorial team, in fact, overcomes a peer review process that had already taken place and pull it. We actually talked about that. I think it was at Skidmore was the, was the author. And I got I, I through people like, that know him. I got in contact and I was and we were set to have an interview today that I missed. And the reason is because I didn't have anything in my calendar. Even though I'm 100% sure that I added it in my calendar like I do every single time because that's the only way I know about it. And as, as you, I'm demonstrating today, if it's not in my calendar, it doesn't exist. Because my, my, my mind is set from moment to moment, day to day because of so much that's going on. So if I set this a week ago, a whole week goes by, I'm not thinking, oh, that thing is today. My calendar is what does that for me. So this is probably the third or fourth time that I have had important interviews that I missed. And in this case, I only miss it because I'm head down in research, not looking at my phone. I have my notifications turned off because it's distracting. And then I come up an hour later and go, oh, man, I had a thing an hour. And he tried to reach out and I missed it. And so blah, blah, blah. Long story short, I reached out to him and I'm hoping to connect it again today. But I want you guys' thoughts on this. I can't believe I didn't put more. I've already made moves to get like in like an actual physical paper pocket calendar as well as like an electronic one that I can carry. So I can just circumvent this iCloud connected it just i think this is happening i think that this is being manipulated whether that's what's happening to me or not it's certainly possible that i just keep making mistakes not that far not that hard to believe but i am certain that i added his thing in my calendar because of how much important it was to me and i didn't have it there today so i did a little bit of research and it does appear there's some ex explanation for this where it says, if your appointments disappear from your eye calendar, so apparently that happens, the culprit is almost always sync settings, which, by the way, I have absolutely always turned off. I don't, I'm not, I don't have the iCloud. I don't have, I've turned, everything's turned off. I get notifications all the time saying, you will not be updated if you don't connect this. So that's not, but it's still happening for me. Here is just a big, long thread you guys can read about that very thing. And people dispute it and debate. Nobody really knows. But isn't that interesting to me? Someone's saying black screen. I hope not. Let me know if the screen's showing up for you guys. But this, I think, is happening. And 
it doesn't have I don't I can't prove that this means that it's outside, you know, not, just, just not a glitch. But my God, if we can't realize this is how this will work, because I keep saying for such a long time that going forward, as they build us into this control structure, this is exactly what is going to be and like and is already possible that these things could be manipulated from outside. Now, what better way to screw up somebody like me than to remove appointments and make me look like I'm irresponsible or it's not work. Like, I think that's very, very frustrating and concerning. Right. So I just want us to think about that again, to be clear, I don't really know whether this was just a mistake of by me or not, but it's happened to me numerous times at very important moments. That, that concerns me now that aside, if, and by the way, if anybody has more information about that, please let me know because I, I'm pretty much already decided. I'm just no longer going to be using my calendar on my phone. Cause I mean, look, think about it this way. One, one last point. People can send you invites through your email and they just auto post on your calendar. You, you, we all see that. I hate that. That's that, that shouldn't even be possible. I want to add to my calendar. You don't get to auto, even if you don't accept it, it still shows up on your calendar and you still get a notification for it. I hate that. So all that shows you is they absolutely, whatever that is, they or anybody would be able to find a way through to, to affect your calendar. That just concerns the hell out of me. Anyway, all that aside, this is something important I wanted to touch on in the beginning. That right now, we need to understand, and for as far as I'm concerned, has for probably almost always, that'd be my gut, my gut would tell me that, but right now we can very clearly see that almost 50% of this country identifies as independent. Or rather, you know, it's, a, it's not just one thing, to be clear, but half this country sees through the two-party illusion. And it's been this way for a long time. Now, this is obviously one Gallup poll, but we'll show you a couple of things. Now, what does that mean? How can it be possible that we still get forced, we, like forced, aggressively driven, corralled into two parties every single time? The lesser of two evils, Trump and Clinton. Every single time, it's the same game. Despite every single time, the majority of Americans not identifying with either one. When's the last time you saw an independent or any other party on that main stage? It ends up with two every time. Why does it have to be two? Why wouldn't it end up with the four leading candidates, right? Because this is obviously how they want this to work. I think it's amazing that we haven't, like as a country, when we can collectively identify that this is the case and acknowledge that whether left, right, or whatever, that we all are not being acknowledged, that we're not being represented by our very political process that we pretend gives us power over the government, then we will change everything. This is the two-party illusion, as I've said forever, is the crux, the point that is keeping us from changing things, if that was even in the cards, right? Because just because that's the, in the way doesn't mean we will. Plenty of people have different opinions, but I believe we've had these moments, these surges, like we're dealing with now, where we are capable of seeing beyond it. And if the two-party paradigm was not in the way at the last moment, stopping us and tricking us with all sorts of divisions and psyops and lies, we would have done something by now. So here's something interesting. Here is the, uh, and this is a new article. It's just an, oh, actually, no, wait, this isn't the one. I thought I had a new one in here anyway. Well, it, regardless, it looks like I must have closed it. I was changing stuff earlier. The growing myth of the independent voter, says the Washington Post. And the point is they're going, that's not true. It's a myth and it's an illusion. And of course, why would they be incentivized to even make that argument? Despite the fact that this, you can read it for yourself. It's not really worth your time, but you know, if you care, read it. It's not true. And hasn't been true. You can look back as pretty much far as you want. And this seems to be a pretty common thing. But here, I shouldn't say as far as you want, but for a long time. Here's what's interesting. 
I looked on this just searching for this this statistics that I saw. Near nearly four in four in ten Americans, thirty eight percent self identify as independent. I said that's interesting. Where did that come from? And I'm like, oh look, it must have come from 2019. Or oh wait, was it 2020? Or 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 weird, it must have been from 2022. <laughs> Isn't it strange how it just seems to be the same static statistic depending on 2022, 2020, 2019? Four in ten, 38 percent. Isn't that odd? But you'll you'll find the different. Well, here's a random thing that says 48 percent. But it's strange to me that you'll find this consistent percentage in the same stat, coming to the same argument for four or five years in a row. Why? Because the same way they do this. You remember when Yemen was being, you know, it should right now it should be a focus. We need an entire country being starved to death by your freedom-loving government. I'm being facetious. There was a long time where they said, oh, 10,000 people or whatever the number was. This many people have died. And every year it was the same thing. Over 10,000 people have starved over. To, and it went on for five, five years until finally somebody said, how is it possible that hasn't changed? Oh, it looks like because we don't have access to real data because of the war. So we just keep citing the number from five years ago. Oh, so you're lying to people then. <laughs> Got it. That's how that works. They pretend like that's all that's the best. We can. Well, then why don't you say that? Why don't you say this is our best estimate based on five-year-old information? It's because they wanted you to think that that was the case. I believe that's the same thing here. The reality being, it's probably a hell of a lot more than even 50% of people who do not even get involved. Understand, this is people who are willing to take a poll. People who vote because they think this might matter, even as an independent. As we've often pointed out in AM Wake Up, the largest voting block in this country is people who don't even care. People who don't get involved, not because they don't, I shouldn't say it like that, because they don't care in politics or care about the country, but because they recognize that this is a fraud. We have been lied to our entire lives. Now, here is a party affiliation. Uh, it's from Gallup. Same thing. And, you, and look at this. This is trend since 2004. Just looking back to 2021, look at the numbers. Independents have always been for a long time the highest number. There's not a year where that changes. 41, 40, 35, 44, 43. And the two sides, left and right, at best, low 30s. Why don't we know that? Why don't we talk about that? Why don't we recognize that the largest group is people who don't see the, who don't who see through the two-party illusion? Here's what's interesting. Asked of independence, as of today, do you learn lean more left or right? It is right down the middle. Almost every time. Look at that. Split. So th 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 these are people from all walks of life who just recognize the lie. And you take your time to go through this. You, there's 17 pages. Go back and look. And this is the reality. People do see through this. And we have to see that in each other or this will never stop. On two la three last points in regard to that, that main point, Anomaly just shared this. Trump hopped onto Instagram because he was off, I guess. I don't care. I don't like Instagram. Not to fight the information war that will determine our future, but to sell some more NFTs. Because, you know, Trump's for you, right? He's fighting for freedom. Just like all the foreign policies, fighting for freedom. And this is what's happened. This is just his little screenshot, but I'm seeing this all around. He's, ta he's talking about digital trading cards, and that's, that's what's happening now. And one last point here is ba Baked Alaska. You know, these people that are moments ago and still represented by the media as MAGA terrorists and whatever else they're calling them. He says, I can't believe I went to prison for an NFT salesman. What's interesting to me is even as the right, the right, entire right, not it's hard, I hate even framing it like that, but the, the right-leaning groups 
have shifted so much in the last so many months or even year during COVID and whatever else. And yet the media still frames it all as right, Trump. You know, it's just, it's clumsy. They are so out of touch. And the point, the main point is that people in the independent media are changing the flow of information and the narrative so strongly, they can't even keep up anymore. So they're just pushing the narrative as it was a week, a month ago, a year ago, because that's what they're told. Meanwhile, the ground is never, it's never been more different. Things are shifting and changing and still people see through this stuff. I just find this very interesting. And one just last general point about how we are played by the two-party paradigm. Ben Swan pointed this out. You wake yet? 1960s. Oil's going to be gone in 10 years. 1970s. Another ice age is coming in 10 years. 1980s. Acid rain will destroy all crops in 10 years. 1990s. And we remember this one. The ozone layer will be gone in 10 years. The year 2000. The ice caps will be gone in 10 years. The moral of the story is nothing happened, but guess what? Every one of those resulted in more taxes. And that's a very, that's a specific point. I bet you there's a hundred other things that also resulted in just more control over your life. Now, many people would love to go, but, but this and that and policy and we change it and we, and just like the government always does, mission accomplished. Why? Because it didn't happen. <laughs> well, did it not happen because you did something to stop it or did it not happen because it was never going to happen? You can easily prove that they did not take action that stopped acid rain. They did not take action to stop the ozone layer. In fact, the reality is they po they polluted more than ever. Just look at the military. So what's hilarious is they just keep selling you on these lies and people keep buying them. Or do they? Some people do. Some people. But do all of them? Are we being played by the illusion the media is representing about what we think is the majority or even just over-representing what is the Antifa part or the trans community or any other thing they're talking about or the MAGA terrorist? It, like, if the right can stand back and recognize that they're over-representing, in fact, completely in cutting from whole cloth this MAGA white supremacy terrorist Nazi marching element, then why can't that same side stand back and go, oh, they're probably lying about what the trans terror, you know, the, what they're calling the trans terrorist agenda, whatever. Yes, they are on all sides. They're trying to pit you against each other. It's amazing that we can't see that. But again, maybe we do. Because even when I say that, what I'm representing is what the high level pundits and the, you know, the Twitter, the Pasovics of the world out there telling you what you're supposed to think as a right follower of Trump. Like, that's how this goes. And then we even are even people like us still have trouble seeing beyond that fake representation. Now, I'll make a point about this in a second with a couple of good uh, tweets around this topic. But first, and this is going to get into the transgender discussion again, which we just had this. I couldn't actually believe now, not to say that this is necessarily connected, but we just talked about the U.S. AIDS, uh, this this March 8th principles, human rights based approach discussion. That literally, and I'll read it again in a second, verbatim argues that there is a there is a, a a situation where a minor can, in fact, consent with an adult to have sex, which is absurd and disgusting. And I can't even believe is being stated openly that they are actually they're literally just saying that it's I'll read it in a second. So I want to go through the whole thing and not just read one clip of it. But that's this is coming from the U.N., from the ICJ, which is important in a minute. It's right here. It's coming from the International Committee of Jurists, the UN AIDS, which is the UN group focused on HIV and AIDS and the Office of the High Commissioner for Human Rights. Now, that we just talked about that. And it wasn't just the consent age for children, but it was also work and 
all sorts of different. And what was the other one? It was, you know, drugs and sex work and, you know, and sex work was the primary thing. So they're, they're basically saying that sex work is it's with my point was with these together, with the concept of this being discussed and the age of consent being discussed and the sex work discussion being added, the sex work part by itself might make sense to someone who realizes there should be an allowable area for consenting adults to do certain things. But then when you include this, it suddenly becomes very nefarious when there's no differentiation on the sex work side of this where age comes into play. And so over here, if we're saying there's no minimum, there's no, the age consent can change based on X, Y, and Z, that becomes really concerning to me. Now, I'll come back to this again in a second, but this, this is from today. The Iowa Senate passed a child labor law before dawn today. So in conjunction, right, whether the Iowa law is aware of this international you know, reg, uh, what are they calling it? International guidance that was put out. And that's why this is happening. I don't know. But doesn't this concern, regardless, even if they're separate, this should concern people. What do you mean you're passing laws about child labor? Are we back in the 1930s? A bill literally lets 14-year-olds, 14-year-olds work six-hour night shifts. Now, you may not think that's wrong. It doesn't, it's kind of, the point is that we have this long-established concept where Children have, can be abused by grown-up situations, especially like this child labor. That's why there are child labor laws, because we have young people being forced to work long hours at a time when they're kids. So they, I don't know what the logic would be here that 14-year-olds need to work or if they want to, they can. But either way, I guarantee you this will be abused. 15-year-olds can work on assembly lines now. And they say 16 and 17 year olds can serve alcohol, which puts them in a position which it is 16 and 17. So I think we all know that, that even though we're not considered 18, which is our arbitrary adult age, which I only say that because there's places around the world that serve alcohol to 16 year olds and they can drive when they're 16. So it's kind of like it's just this decided age. So we know that there's, those aren't necessarily children. But it's still interesting. And it puts 16 and 17 year olds in situations to be around much older people in a situation where there's drunk and sexual activity. There's just strange, right? But it says the Senate went through the night and voted on child labor at 4.52 a.m. Now the bill moved to the Iowa House. We recently investigated this bill and uncovered that it began in the office of Governor Kim Reynolds and was written by top corporate lobbyists by the Restaurants Association. So is it just about getting kids to be able to work in restaurants? I, for coming from a restaurant, for, you know, growing up through that and working 10 plus years in restaurants, I would even understand why it would make sense because they work with a lot of kids that are, you know, 15, 16, young, you know, in high school working as hostesses and, and bussers and so on. So this might make it easier to allow that. But I still think this is the ser the surface level discussion there. I don't know why this would just happen all of a sudden. It kind of seems strange to me. And in the association with this, the timing of it, something about this just feels wrong. Quick minute to do uh, like what is it on? Oh, I'm gonna pass on that. That's Iowa State Senator Jason Schultz. He's the sponsor of the most dramatic rollback of child labor protections in the nation, even if he doesn't want to talk about it. No, I'm gonna pass on that. I'm just kind of stepping back on that one. I'm I'm gonna not get into any conversations. I'm gonna stay away from that. Although you might find out later why. Oh. <laughs> there you go. There's your tease. Senator Schultz is clearly proud of his work, but as our investigation will show you, he's just one part of a shadowy national effort funded by big corporations and PACs to roll back child labor laws that have been in place since the 1930s. More states are considering changes to child labor laws as they try to fill jobs. Maine and Michigan lowered the required age to serve alcohol. New Jersey raised the limit on the number of hours teens can work over the summer. Minnesota you get the gist of it. Now, the point is, why are we short, such short on 
workers and, and employment. Oh, well, we all know why. Exactly what we just went through. And there are still places like this that are, in fact, still pushing out people that don't have certain credentials, certain passports. Right. We know where this goes. But either way. Right. No one uh, no one in this discussion is saying that 14 year olds are children. What we're saying is that these are called child labor laws because you're not an adult. So therefore, child, it's simple as that. We can be nitpicky about the words all we want. The bottom line is that this is a slippery slope that opens the door to more and more in that direction. That's all people are saying. Now, again, you can think this is totally benign. That's up to you. It's your child because it's up to us to decide for individuals. But when you come from a government perspective, who are now passing laws allowing younger and younger ages to do things that at one moment, like just before this happened, was considered not allowed, it just kind of begins to show you the arbitrary nature of all of this. And the point was not about this by itself. Right? The point was about how this weirdly timed overlaps with this discussion. Right? So, you know, it's interesting how people are always very politically driven about their opinions when it comes to certain things. I personally find this to be inappropriate just because of what we had before in regard to. Think about this in the context of why that's happened in the first place, why we have laws that say, like, for instance. You can't drive unless you're 16. You can't do X, Y, and Z unless you're 18. But then suddenly they say, oh, oh, except that person can get an injection. If, if you know, we decide they can tell that they're doing the right thing. Or, or wait, you can have a kid who's five years old decide they want to be a transgender or whatever. They want to be something they're not. And so we'll give them things that can change. Because we'll decide that that's the point I'm trying to make here. And what, who, who is making these arbitrary decisions and who decides what we all collectively want and don't? It doesn't matter. They don't care what we think or want. This is about something else. Now, just because 14, 15, and 16 does not strike concern for a lot of people, see through it. That's, how, that's my opinion anyway. I feel that there's always something more to this. Now, it could you're right. It could just be about restaurants. But am I wrong in thinking that's rarely what it, that, you know, it's rarely about the surface level point? So in this, they put out these principles. I wanted to show you what this, and this is the, the main PDF, and this was just one of the pages I want to show you. So this this just came out. Consensual sexual conduct, irrespective of the type of sexual activity, the sex, gender, sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression of the people involved or their marital status may not be criminalized in any circumstances. Like even just that statement. It does not seem to understand that statement. My point about most of this, whether or not people disagree or disagree, I can't understand how somebody can agree with this. But the bottom line is it opens the door for abuse. As the, the, the analogy I made, for instance, about California, which, again, I, I argue that is a slippery slope. The point being that bill is being passed to allow these abuses, in my opinion. From the, I don't believe it's in good. It's in with honest intentions. But there is an argument, and that's what they're abusing, to argue why there's an overlap. Like the point I made is about people that grow, are in high school, right? And you have a senior dating somebody who's a sophomore or freshman. And suddenly you grow up a couple years, and then all of a sudden you become an illegal relationship, even though it's everyone seems to be okay with it happening in high school, where you know a sophomore dates a senior or so on. And then once he graduates or she graduates and it becomes 18, 19, that becomes 16, 17, all of a sudden... Even though it seems only a couple of age different, technically that's illegal. So they're using that to argue, well, there's an understandable area. But the problem for me comes in when it comes down to this argument that somehow if it's a gay person or a trans person, that, that, that it's somehow acceptable to have this weird age difference where you can date somebody who may be older. Because I don't know why that makes a difference. There should be a line that we collectively decide on, and that should be unacceptable. 
I don't know how else to make that work. And maybe there's a bit, you tell me whether there's a better, a better way to do this. But as of now, we all generally decide that there's a level below which children can't make certain decisions. And now we're suddenly just going, well, now there's a, 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 a sexual identity conversation that changes that in certain circumstances that will define as we see fit. That's ridiculous. Will not be criminalized in any circumstances completely. My point was that leaves the door open for abuse, even if this is good intentioned. Consensual sex, same sex, as well as consensual different sexual relations, different sex sexual relations or consensual sexual relations with or between trans, non-binary or other gender diverse people or outside marriage, whether premarital or extramarital may never, therefore never be criminalized. OK, so what happens if it's a 10 year old kid, a 20 year old man? Apparently, they just said that doesn't matter because it's a specific kind of relationship between trans and non-binary. Now, I'm sure people will disagree with that. Oh, you're reading something that's not there. I'm not reading. I'm reading something that leaves it open to interpretation. With respect to the enforcement of criminal law, any prescribed minimum age of consent to sex must be applied in a non-discriminatory manner. I don't understand what that means. If it's a criminal law, the minimum age is the law that's set. What it's saying is consent to sex must be applied in a non-discriminatory way. So suddenly if someone says, well, you're discriminating against me because I'm trans. Well, it doesn't matter what you are. The law says this and the age you have is not enough. So all it's opening this door to simply somebody saying that I have some kind of caveat to this because I am a different. So what and then and then what happens to the argument that this is somebody's choice? So suddenly somebody can just choose to be I'm this or I'm that. So now I circumvent this law. Moreover, sexual conduct involves persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent may be consensual, in fact, if not in law. So you can argue that still means that it will be illegal, but what they're doing is opening the door to say that, well, it's, it can still be consensual, but this is, in this context, the enforcement of criminal law should, be reflect, should reflect the rights and capacity of persons under 18 to make decisions about engaging in consensual sex. So what about the idea that a young person can be manipulated into thinking that they're consenting? None of this seems to matter in the weird step, you know, mental gymnastics to not offend anybody in these circles. If you can't see how this is going to be abused by sexual predators, you're choosing to ignore it because you're taken by the game that's being played. This makes me this makes me very uncomfortable. I know this is going to come to pass and it's going to make me feel like I failed in saving some people from seeing this. Same way I felt about the cannabis conversation. When you see people taking their own lives because of the, a brain tumor that I proved was <clears throat> proved was cured by specific types of CBDC on the other side of the country. I know that sounds irrational, but it makes me feel like, man, I could have done more to save that person's life. Now, we just talked about this in this discussion. UN doc okays consensual sex with minor. Here's the, ex the next part of this. The researcher posts this interesting thread, which you can read for yourself. The LGBT and, LGBT and trans movements, you always have to go back in history to see how it all started. As he says, of course, they started with the CIA. Now, real, this is his breakdown of the thread, so come to your own conclusions. But also think about it in the context of not every person who is a lesbian, a gay person, a bi person, or a trans person, or every single person in the trans movement. What this means is that the acronym and the, the political organization and the push and the politics and the way it's being used was an operation. That yes, a lot of lesbian, gay, bi, and trans people 
fell into and bought and are pushing and have now been brainwashed by. But I keep saying it is not every single person in this movement. In fact, as far as I can tell, just like you can point out with a lot of these uh, whatever black movements or anything else, any any of these or women's movements, you'll find today that you have almost more people in the community going, you don't represent me. Don't stand up and act like I need your help because it's almost inter inherently racist to act like because of what you are, you therefore need these things or because you were our ancestors were oppressed. Therefore, we need these. I'm not saying you shouldn't think that it's your prerogative, but for the political movement to tell you, you should think this. Otherwise, you're now simping for the white race or whatever. I've seen these arguments. And then so now you're not even allowed to make up your own decision. It is inherently undermining. So to the point. People that have taken the bait on this, including people on the right, including people in this movement. Oh, and, and on the left, obviously, the point people that are pushing this as something that's the right thing to do have been taken in my mind. He says the International Commission of Jurists, which I find interesting, seeing as how that is the part of the group that just basically created a situation that will open the door to sexual abuse. Turns out. That they were in a an integral part to beginning of all this. The International Commission of Jurists is an international human rights non-governmental organization. It is a standing group of 60 eminent jurists, including senior judges, attorneys, and academics who work to develop national and international human rights standards through the law. So that's what their site says. Turns out the CIA is funded. The CIA funded the ICJ with key player being John Foster Dulles. You know, classic, classic, like Dulles Airport. It's a classic Alan Dulles CIA overlap. Now, the point, you can read this for yourself. If the CIA is involved with this group, that's usually something that doesn't just drift into the background, right? That's important to understand. The ICJ, which implying that it's currently still that, the ICJ was funded by the Central Intelligence Agency by running money through foundations and the American Fund for Free Jurists. All the links are, you can check it for yourself. Apparently, the UN was unable to have LGBT rights added to the UDHR due to some country's disagreement, which doesn't surprising. And of course, they framed it as racist and bigoted, as always. The Universal Declaration of Human Rights adopted 10 December 10th, 1948. It says, unfortunately, homophobic attitudes, failure to protect or investigate hate crimes and other abuses and insufficient legal protection of the national level often prevent lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender and inter intersex persons from fully enjoying their human rights well look at that lgbti it's a long time ago it says fast forward to 2007 when the international commission of jurists created the yaghakarata principles on the application of international human rights law in relation to sexual orientation and gender identity interesting once that was set in place this is this is his argument. Soros Open Society Foundation got things started. And you can read this for yourself. Paved the way for gay marriage. Now, look, there are people that would disagree with the very idea that you could be gay or that gay marriage is a thing, which I think that's ridiculous. I think the same thing is ridiculous for anybody, you know, that you just think trans people are bad by default. I think I think you're a bigot, but you have the right to feel that way. As long as you don't act in violence or do anything that infringes anybody else's rights. Right. So the point is that just because you agree or disagree with gay marriage or so on, you have to disconnect these things from the political agenda. In this case, it doesn't mean that gay marriage is bad because George Soros is behind paving the way for it. What it means is that George Soros and these groups are choosing to use this issue because they know it will divide people. 
among many other things. Now, it says the Open Society Foundation wrote a white paper charting the legal path for gender confusion. I find this very interesting. License to be yourself, trans children and youth. I mean, this is very interesting, guys. 2015, I think. Make sure I think that was right. Yeah, 2015. Right. So this is something that is clearly. I was hoping to see it written on there somewhere, just in case I'm not misinterpreting that date at the bottom. I think it's 2015. In any case, the point is that this is being driven pretty obviously. Open Society Foundation and others that are creating this discussion. So is that because they care about people, this very small percentage of the population? Or is it because this is an obvious point since then that has exploded in political agendas? It says, which brings us to today and the big money behind the movement. First is the Arcus Foundation, which is funded by billionaire medical device heir John uh, Stryker. The Arcus Foundation is also a major funder of the LGBT immigration into the United States. This And don't forget, that's, you know, we talked about the Ukraine overlap with this conversation, despite the fact that it's obviously not the reality on the ground, that LGBTQ people are completely are actively abused, manipulated, sexually manipulated right now in Ukraine and always has been by the Ukrainian military and the government. And they just make up lies about it. It's, it's pretty disgusting. There's very same people that pretend like they care about these people. Now, it says this is one of the groups that they fund on the border. And you can look more on this. They use our asylum laws. These are, all, these are his opinions, by the way. You can watch the Arcus video here. He says, when the family still owned 30% of the company, John Stryker was a public advocate for the passage of the Affordable Care Act, better known as Obamacare. However, uh, Stryker Corp announced in 2012 it would be cutting jobs by 5%, or 1,170 jobs, as a means to deal with rising costs from Obamacare. The company primarily expected to take financial loss from the medical device tax. I think that was it. Yeah, and the bottom line, is I just think it's very interesting how obvious it is to me that this is something that is being used, which does not then mean that every single person part of this or any every trans person is a problem. But it is obvious that there are people that are taking and drink, are drinking this Kool-Aid to the point to where they're acting out in violence, just like they're trying to get people on the right to do. That's how this is working. I think it's as obvious as I've ever seen. So here's an example of this. This person, who as I understand it, is a gay man, who went out with this shirt on that simply says man, adult human male, which is the literal definition from the depth from from the from a <laughs> I that's ridiculous. Wow, that's crazy. Well, anyway, <laughs> I feel like just an absolute brain fart. The point is that is such an obvious definition that we all know. And yet it's being challenged by politics not by not by logic not by by people saying i feel this way therefore it is his t-shirt is transphobic they said so that means he got what he deserved which he got attacked as you can see so here is a person responding saying no i'm not okay an elderly man gay man was assaulted in an unprovoked homophobic attack by a member of this group which i'll show you in a minute and you're laughing about it this person responded by saying, unprovoked? His t-shirt is transphobic. He is well aware of how provocative it would be. It was an informed and conscious choice. If you play with fire, you might get burned. Jeez, 
It's so funny. So I just quickly, somebody writes dictionary in the chat. I'm sitting here thinking encyclopedia. And for some stupid reason, I could not get that word out of my mind. <laughs> it's just very strange how the brain works. So let's, let's pretend like I don't know what the word dictionary means. <laughs> anyway, the point is that this is such an over, like these, this is a person who, okay, let's all, by the way, we should also stand back and go, okay, is this a person who is a, an, a, a, a government operator? Is this somebody on the right pretending to be someone on the left? These things are all very possible. Or is this a, a person who believes this? All of those are real and do exist. The point is, though, how does she know this person feels that way? How do you know they're transphobic? How do you know that he was out there with a conscious choice to play with fire? Is it not possible that's just his opinion? Or even if it is just his opinion, is having that opinion playing with fire? Is it now provocative and making a conscious choice to act with playing with fire just because you disagree? Well, yes. And that is how some people see it. That you're not allowed to have that opinion. So by virtue of existing, you are, provoc you are being provocative. You, we know this is happening. It's very clear. Now, I don't believe that's... Th these are psychos. These are lunatic people who are being played by an agenda. I don't... And I know for a fact it's not every person that is trans. But that's how it's being taken by people on the right who want to see it that way. Who Some of which just generally hate gay and trans people. Not all of them. But this person says, it's a transphobic dog whistle. You know that. Just to make, oh, and there, oh, I think this was the, wait, how did I do that? Hold on. I know I, okay, there, it's right there. I was going to say, I hope I didn't lose that. I wanted to make sure this was a real tweet, so I did find it, which took me more than, longer than it should have. She says, you, you do not ever get to put your hands on another human being for wearing a t-shirt you don't like. And she, they said, I agree. But that's, th this is why this person deleted this tweet. Because you don't agree. You obviously don't agree. You basically gave your statement means then, well, they got what they deserve. That's what it means. So there's no denying that. See? And they said, your comment was clear. I said, once again, violence is never okay. I've said that over and again. Okay, well, if you actually think this, which is what you're pushing right now, right? And you, me and you don't think your comment is what they're interpreting it to be, why did you delete it? Because this is the point. This is this right here. No, I'm not okay. An early gay man was assaulted. This person deleted their tweet. That's because they know it's obviously that that was a, a insinuation that the violence was acceptable. Very clearly. So my point is these people are out there who are arguing that by simply not agreeing with the agenda, by simply deciding that you think differently or God to dare to wear a shirt that suggests you, that shows your opinion, kind of like this shirt here, then you're a violent actor and you deserve to be beaten up because you are violent by existing. These people have lost their minds, but guess what? You can find the same kind of violent drive on either side. Not by all of them. In fact, not even the majority of either side. But right now you have people on the right who are getting just as ramped up in this situation, but others as well in the past. We can talk about abortion. We can talk about a lot of conversations where people were getting to the point of near violence. Or how about any number of other things we can get into that we all know about. But the bottom line is this is a person that says trans rights or else. Wearing a shirt and holding a shotgun that says trans rights or else with guns. Now for those that are trying to act like this is somehow not true, you can literally find this on Etsy right now. Why? I mean, I mean, well, to be, to be clear, you should be able to wear whatever you want. I think that includes that's that's part of free speech. But what's interesting to me is that 
if a right-leaning individual did something like this and were something like that, even to the point of threatening trans people, it would be so in the mind of the, the political discussion, so wildly unacceptable because that's where this lands. But this one is somehow okay because they're persecuted. They're the victim in the mind of the narrative, so therefore they get different special treatment. This is, this is created to make people on the right hate everybody in this community. It's not that hard to see. But that does not excuse that these people are doing it, right? So these people need to be held accountable for openly threatening people that don't agree with their wild and ridiculous agenda. Which applies to anybody that it's in that, whether it's about trans or about any other political agenda. So we just talked about this. This exact shirt, different people wearing it. This girl doing the same thing, talking about people should slam dunk a Christ. Basically, a, a anybody that believes in Christianity should be beaten up, killed, slam dunked. Launched into the sun. So now you're not allowed to be a Christian either because that's transphobic, right? By simply wearing something you're not supposed to wear or thinking something you're not supposed to think or believing that there's just men and women, you're transphobic. I mean, it's just crazy. You can't turn somebody's disagreement into at hate and violence. That's what's happening today. But this is the discussion, guys, and this is the point. The Second Amendment attacked from the right after trans shooter. I don't know why you guys couldn't see on the surface that this was an obvious clumsy effort to get you to attack the thing that you held sacred, What's which I do too. But what I'm saying that is a general point. I don't think it's everybody. And the reality is that a lot of people saw through this, but it's not the people in the middle. It's the high level individuals who probably see the agenda and play into it anyway, because I believe there's a bigger game being played. You know, the pundits I'm talking about, the people that will toe the line no matter what, because it's be beneficial to them, because their entire identity is wrapped up in the hardcore right or the hardcore left. It's the same game. Now, what's interesting, though, is that you see these irrational actions. This, this one point does overlap with a larger point that I'll make as well. But from companies that are being driven to act based on ESG and woke politics, and it is ruining their business. Now, what shows you, I talked about this this morning, that there is no benefit here. The argument was always kind of insinuated underneath it that, well, they must get a benefit. There must be some kind of, you know, sub they must subsidize these companies to some degree because, well, they're undermining their business model. Well, it does not appear to be the case, right? Because here, April 16th, Budweiser releases a new pro-American ad. How embarrassing with iconic mascot in the way. And the bottom line is it's a, it's a, this like insultingly jingoistic video where, you know, like not the fact that it should be bad to be pro-American, but the idea that after what they just did, that it's so clear that they don't believe in any of this stuff. And they're just going, we think you, this, we think this is what you are. Let's give you a bunch of military insinuations and some horses and some national monuments and some flags in the wind. And you guys are going to fall over yourselves to drink Budweiser again, right? I mean, that's what they think of you. That's how stupid they think you are. That, though, well, now I'm back. Now you got my drink again because you showed me a flag. And, and I just saw today that apparently their, their displays in the supermarkets are not a joke. They're building these these stacks of Budweiser to represent a tank. And, and this, this large military person standing right in the middle of it. I mean, it's actually pretty stupid because they they... It's not about the fact that they actually care about those things. It's the fact that they think you will like that and drink more beer. It's sad. But Budweiser releases new pro-American ad. And you can see that it's about the client. Oh, here, I we can just show a little bit of it. Is that? Why isn't that playing? Oh, I have Fox muted. That's why. 
me tell you a story about a beer rooted in the heart of America, found in a community where a handshake is a sure contract. You get the point. I mean, really? How insulting. I mean, I just, I just can't get past how stupid that is. Not because, I mean, if this was genuine, sure, it's a nice commercial, right? Just kind of just in leaning into the fact that we, you know, simple people and simple drink, you know, whatever. But coming off of their, their, their push to really force the idea of this transgender discussion into your mind, which not good, bad, or up or down, it's just that that's not something that their base wanted. They know that. So for whatever reason, they pushed this agenda. And as I understand it, they lost 50% of their draft sales. There was another, it was 40% and 50%. Yeah, it was their bottles dropped 30% while their draft sales, 50%. I mean, do you understand how losing 50% of the draft sales? I mean, guys, that I, I'm surprised they're still doing business. Like, it's not like, I mean, you're still making some profit, but the idea is that a company operate like 50% loss in sales in that rapid period of time. There must be something else going on. You can't, how do you pay people? I mean, I, the bottom line is that's a huge drop, which explains why they sprinted back to do the uh, pro-American military-minded discussion. And what my point I'm getting at is that it's not wrong to, to choose to, to, to make an ad about Delaney or whatever the per, uh, I forget the person's name, on the front of the, the, the beer can. Do it, whatever. I don't care. That's, it's not The people that are, are outraged because of the trans person, I'm making the same point. That means that you just hate trans people. Or to some degree, maybe there's other reasoning that I don't know about, but the bottom line is that's fine. Whatever. It's not, it's, it's the, the point I made is that this is a company who is doing something that they know is not sound fiscal action. They are going to lose money, but they do it because, you know, you fill in the blank. So the real point is that ESG and the way this is being used is being forced on these companies. They're being strong armed to doing this. To, to some degree, or they've got people in the leadership positions that are too woke to realize it's wrong. But both of those are happening. Now, here are some interesting points that I want to make. Kim shared a two tweet that I thought were interesting. She says, is it just me or is this country returning to stark ultra moral conservatism pushed by growing ultra absurd liberalism? Where does that leave the rest of us? And you got a lot of, you know, even conservatives down here, like Lindsay saying exhausted. But what's interesting to me is there's two things to point out, including the, and this and with the next tweet we're going to talk about, which is, one, this is the teeter-totter I'm always talking about. This is If we can stand back and look at this discussion for the last 50 years, political discussion, you will see the same game being played. And often, if you look long enough, the same speeches, the same clothing, the same agendas, the same arguments, the same, I mean, they, they rehash this stuff over and over. We keep, We catch them all the time. Oh, look, she's giving that speech to that one person gave 40 years ago. It's, and they pretend like it's new. They lie to us. They retell stories of other people. Because this is all an illusion, guys. So the point is that we go from the evangelical right and the madness of the sane left to the switching to the crazy, you know, over-the-top, illogical left and the, the right who is pulling us back to sanity. And now it's going back the other way. Now we're going so far. Now it's coming back to where the, the, the right is rising. You know, it just goes back and forth and back and forth. So we are seeing that. We're seeing the, the, the moral conservatism rise up and the people in this country are going, well, that feels much nicer than how crazy these people are over here. So people gravitate back that way. I don't know why we can't see through this by now. And she says, where did this leave the rest of us? The point is, I think the majority is getting exacerbated by it, which is why I'm expecting the third party 
illusion game to be played at some point where they they insert like I'm, I've been waiting for somebody to run third party. I mean, it's got to happen at some point, somebody anywhere to, to step in, like like if RFK would have stepped in and ran independent. I almost guarantee he would win. That's my opinion, but it, I would I would question it like we should because I'm expecting them to try to run that. Like I thought that was what was going to happen with Trump, maybe this time, because they know people will lean into it and that will make me skeptical. But I still think that's something we should hope is real, like always. But the other part of this is that how much of this is us being taken by the illusion they're selling us, right? Is in this case, taking Kim's example, is this Kim reading what she's seeing on Twitter and the people commenting and the people, because I've seen her kind of get a lot of pushback about her stance on the trans discussion from her audience. And so that can overtake your perception of what's going on. We all see this. The social media can really influence the way you think things are going. I've seen people, like for instance, I saw a, a, a frustrating back and forth from, from Caitlin Johnstone, even, even with involving people like Derek, where it was basically people like Derek was being called something he wasn't because he stepped into the conversation to make a point. And then Caitlin, I guess, kind of assumed he was part of the people that were going after her for not thinking a certain way. And he wasn't, he was just trying to be, and then, then he got frustrated because she was calling him some. So, and the point is that we can get lost in what we think is happening. I do too. I fall for it too, where I will spawn in a very kind of aggressive way. And someone's like, Whoa, I just was asking a question. I'm like, sorry, man, you, you engage too much with people on this platform and you think everybody's out to get you. That's kind of the point. So that, that main point again is, is this what's happening or is this what we see because we're supposed to see it? And that goes to this next point. She says, the anti-trans agenda is the new Me Too movement. At first, it made sense and many of us agreed. Now it's just going to way too far. Is it or is that what we're supposed to think? Are you against kids being indoctrinated and women competing against biological males? Or are you now just against all trans people in public? Now, I agree with this. This is exactly what I'm framing it as. The idea that, of course, there are people in this agenda, as she's saying at first, it made sense. People that are that are obviously politically motivated, people that are completely over, like acting in violence or doing things or putting your kids in dangerous positions. Pretty much everybody can see that's wrong. But now it's seen we've seen that again, that the continue the overcompensation to our people on the right are now basically acting like everybody, not not all of them. I don't even think the majority, but some of the high level ones are acting like every single gay and trans person's a problem. And then some people who might have a more of a measured stance are getting kind of pulled into that. And this is, and whether it's trans or anything else, this is how the game is always played. So in this case, are you against people being indoctrinated, which we're talking about the over-sexualization of children. That's why we see the adult cabaret bill, nothing to do with trans, just about over-sexualization of children. And women competing against males in, in sports, which is obviously a problem, or just against all of them in general. And I think it's a fair question to ask. But again, the point is to stand back and ask, is this, is the, is the overwhelming feeling that this is something being abused? Is that just how we're supposed to see it or not? Just being objective is important. And I think that makes a little more sense on this point. Just ultimately if, is, you know, are we seeing this rise in this argument or is it more so that it is how we're we're being pressured to see it? Like I often think of like the virus, no virus conversation. You get these kind of rabid people that don't really seem interested in trying to come to some discussion point and have and try to explain. It's more about attacking you for not seeing what they think is the truth. And maybe they're right. But it inherently creates a situation that drives people away from even wanting to entertain that. And the people that are honest in that conversation get caught up with all these madness, the, you know, people at the, the fringe who are pushing people away from it. I, 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 we have to think, see how this gets played. All that said, 
coming off of the conversation of this recent trans shooter. It's interesting how hypocritical this is. As Sal Diagris points out, 32 people just got shot in Chicago. Multiple children died. Gun-free zone. Right? Nobody's talking about that. Deafening silence from the media. I mean, quite frankly, I don't even see much on the fo- on Fox News. And this is ABC, so it's kind of like, you do have your left-right discussions here. But let's be clear. Did you guys know this happened? This seems like a huge... I mean, if this happened anywhere else, maybe besides Baltimore... It would be a huge story, of course, if it's assuming it was the right kind of people to sell the right kind of story. It just shows you these people don't care about human life, children dying, or anything else. It is about using these things to push an emotional agenda. This happens in Chicago every day, it seems. It's cr- it, and, and then on top of that, here's Biden. Last night, I had a chance to call Ralph Yarrell and his family. You know, I believe the kid that got shot. I haven't really focused on the story. But it says no parent should have to worry about their kid will be shot after ringing the doorbell, the wrong doorbell. We've got to keep up the fight against gun violence. Right. So this is just an easy moment to pretend like you're stopping. Like, so you are using the death of a child to push your agenda for guns. You're disgusting, Biden. You're a disgusting human being. And the point is, and yet, no visit to East Palestine or a call to the victims of the trans shooter. Why is that? Isn't that the same conversation about shooters killing children? But it doesn't matter if it doesn't fit your agenda. That applies to the left and the right. It applies to the government abusing our perception. Isn't that disgusting? It should be. So the overall point here, guys, is that we need to see, in my opinion, that this is the same thing that's always being played. We are seeing the rising lunacy of this trans agenda that does not mean every trans person agrees with it. And we're seeing the rising lunacy of what they're framing as this rising white supremacy threat. Now, look, I can promise you and point out that there are people that believe that. But the reason I frame that a little bit differently on the other side is that, look, I've been I've been actively you point you point out an example for me of the right white supremacy or movements that are not very blatantly, obviously infiltrated run agendas, the Patriot Front, the the base. Any of these rise above movement guys, I can literally prove to you that these tie directly back to the CIA. I've done it on the show. So what does that show you? They're trying to get them to act. And they're not taking the bait because I think, thank God, people can see through how clumsy this is. But unfortunately, on the left, there's a lot of people that have clearly fallen into this agenda. But it, it, the point is the government. Don't take that as a partisan point, guys. The government's trying to trick all of us. To varying degrees, people are falling for it. So let's not fall for it. Let's stand up and realize that the best, the best thing we can do is not fight each other. Why you ever think it's even the right thing to do to act in violence against somebody else in anybody else, let alone somebody who is a fellow citizen of your country. I don't understand why you think that makes sense. Oh, I, I remember because your government has told you your entire life. That's how it works. Oh, yeah, they don't agree with us. They're not selling us the oil we want in, in the in the currency we want or they're not giving us their resources. They're not allowing us to do what we want on the soil. Freedom. We're going to go overtake the country, you know, because freedom and whatever. That translates into people's minds. Might is right. Rampant lawlessness. If I say it and back it with the right words, then it doesn't matter why or what's going on. That's how this works, guys. That is why people believe they can act out in violence against people that just have a different opinion. Because your government does it around the world every day, multiple times a day. Now, going over to the COVID-19 conversation, and this is actually really concerning to me, this 
I, I re, out of all the things I'm going to talk about today, I can't, the timing of this, it just, it's almost as if they want people to be shocked by this. I, I, and with the level, the current level of this peer reviewed science around, around even specifically the bivalent shot, which is what we're talking about. I don't understand how they can pretend that this even still makes sense. I'll show you just a 2% of the peer reviewed science that's out there talking about how dangerous, deadly, genetically manipulative, DNA-altering injections these are. And then show you how we know now that the COVID-19 risk, if ever there, was less than the flu. From the beginning, according to peer-reviewed science that has now been standing for, I don't know, what, six months? Hatton, the editor, editorial team hasn't called it back. It's, it's kind of mind-blowing this still continues. So here, first, this is from today. The FDA amended altered its emergency use authorizations of the Pfizer and Moderna shot, oh, the bivalent shot, to simply to simplify the vaccination schedule. And I'm going to show you why this is, I mean, alarmingly incomprehensible. But why are they just amending it? How does that actually work? Right? Because, okay, so the national emergency is over. Which, by the way, why that somehow is not the only thing that matters. That somehow we can still have a public health version or the PREP Act, or these different manipulative points that we already went over in depth, which is still very confusing. But why that even makes sense if we no longer have an emergency? Yeah, I mean, you could you could you could make an argument that even I would say makes sense to a degree that even after the emergency ends, you might need to allow emergency authorizations to continue for X, Y, and Z. I don't agree with that, but logically you could see why, you know, oh, because there are people still struggling and, you know, kind of like grandfathering in the situation, blah, 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 whatever. I'm not saying I agree with that, but that could at least logically line up, right? But then to the, what they're actually doing is not just pushing out the ones that are present. They're bringing in a new one. They are continuing. They're amending the old ones and, and, and creating a new emergency authorization for a new shot. I don't understand why anybody thinks that would make sense. And I'll explain more about that in a minute just to make it very simple about what the process actually means, which we should know by now. As I told you guys, this is going to be the way it goes. For now, they're going to make it seem like it's just an extension and so on. I'm going to bet you this never stops. And they just it just blends into the background like we've had processes do in the past. Because pr approval is a, a hell of a lot more difficult than emergency authorization. Despite their lies to tell you it's the same thing. If it was the same thing, then it wouldn't matter. It says this action includes authorizing the current bivalent vaccines to be used for all doses administered to individuals six months or older, despite how deadly and dangerous they are, according to the peer-reviewed science. The monovalent vaccine is no longer authorized. Well, look at that. What does that mean? You mean the one that you've been forcing on people even to get the bivalent up until yesterday? Because this just happened today. Why does that make sense? Were you hurting people yesterday or the day before? If it's no longer authorized, why not? Isn't it needed? You just decided the bivalent is enough, despite the fact that it's actually less effective, if effective is even the right word, seeing as how it's deadly across the board, net harm, according to the British Medical Journal. Doesn't even matter. That's just what we get right here. I'll show you their actual document. It doesn't give you much more information about why the monovalent just goes away. But it says most individuals, depending on age, previously vaccinated. Oh, well, actually, I'll get into the actual document. This is, this is them kind of quickly breaking down the bullet points. Here's the actual document. Today. Today, the, U, the FDA amended its emergency use authorization. Now, if you want, by the way, if you want to 
re uh, oh here that's not the right uh was it this one no let me open this really quickly in case in case you want to read the last one we just did come back to that in a second because i just I, we just went over this not too long ago amended the emergency use authorizations of the Moderna and Pfizer bivalent shots to simplify the vaccination schedule for most individuals. Oh, that's why it's just making it simple. They're completely different injections with different ingredients and different form makeups. But, you know, we're just going to simplify it. <laughs> just get all those ones out of the way and just take this one, regardless of where you were in the schedule. We swore was absolute 30 seconds ago. This action includes authorizing the current bivalent vaccines original and Omicron B4B5 strains, which none of which are even currently available around, as far as we can tell, to be used for all doses administered to individuals six months or older. You know, kids that have zero risk of basically anything, including for an additional dose or doses. Monovalent are no longer authorized. And here's where it gets very confusing. Let me grab this real quickly before I forget. Where was it? This one right here. The EUA HHS to extend emergency use authorization jab indemnity into 2024, which they've done. And that's that's different. That's that's not even the same conversation. That's the indemnity for these things on top of the emergency use authorization going all the way into 2024. Exactly. Pro this is all together. The point is probably because they knew that this was already going to happen. But it says most individuals in the new guidance who have already received a single dose of the bivalent. So those those that have been stupid enough to go in and get this untested version that comes that uses data from three shots ago, even though you're not even dealing with the things they say they made it for, you know, good on you, are not currently eligible for another dose. So understand this. So if you've got one of those bivalents, you cannot get anything else. So remember that. Individuals 65 years or older who have received a single dose of the bivalent may receive one additional dose four months later and then no more until they tell you you can get 45 more. The point is that 65 suddenly is different. Okay, so why? Well, they're in more danger to these injections. Hands down. By far more dangerous to these elderly people. So you're going to give them to them first, because that makes sense. Even though we're dealing with something that's not dangerous to most everybody, at least less than the flu. But they get an extra one. Okay, well, maybe that makes sense to some people. But here's where it gets most confusing. Most unvaccinated. So you've got, you've never had anything. You can get one. One bivalent. That's it. And nothing else. May receive a single dose. Okay. So one dose, but these people can get another bivalent even though they've already gotten one. Hmm. Okay, well, that doesn't seem to make much sense. But here's where it gets the most confusing. So, so far we've seen that if you run vaccinated, you can get one bivalent. That's it. This says children six months through five years old who are unvaccinated. So it's the same as this person right here may receive two doses. Okay. Of the bivalent shots or, or three series of Pfizer's biotech bivalent shots. Okay. Does that make sense? So a child who is at less risk than anybody else of everything that we're talking about here based on science, peer reviewed science, is able to get three Pfizer bivalent shots if you're under five years old, but this 45-year-old man that's never had anything can only get one. That's pretty unnerving. Here we are again with this, over, this seemingly sinister focus on the children. Come on. I, I mean, I, that doesn't even scientifically make sense. Children who are five, even if we're talking about a lesser amount, 
to make to for the children. These are deadly for everybody, which I'm going to make clear in a second. But regardless of that, lesser amount or not, it's supposed to be equivalent to what the adult gets, just lesser for a child. So why do they need three versions of the Pfizer? It says children who are five years of age may receive two doses of Moderna's bivalent or a single of Pfizer's. So why does a six-month-old baby need three Pfizer shots, but a five-year-old child can only get one Pfizer dose? I mean, I don't even, I don't even know if they try to explain how that makes sense. I think what's happened is they've gotten so broken in all their overlapping, mutilated narratives that they just, I just put, I just, I don't even know. I mean, I can't I can't even try to make sense of this. Children six months through five years of age who have received one, two, or three doses of the monovalent one, you know, the safe and effective ones that were supposed to do everything back then. And we're, they're still saying safe and effective, but you need more. May receive a bivalent, but the number of doses they will receive depend on the vaccine and their vaccination history. <laughs> okay. Obviously, that doesn't make sense. And it goes on to say, quote, at this stage of the pandemic, you know, the thing that they just told us is over, but yet still going on. Data support simplifying the use of the authorized mRNA bivalent injection. And the agency believes that this approach will encourage future vaccination. Oh, thank you for being honest. OK, so the bottom line is data support simplifying this, because if we do, you'll take more. Exactly what you might have thought. That's according to Mark Peter Marks. Who, that's the end of the sentence. <laughs> okay. And he goes on to say, evidence is now available that most of the U.S. population, five years of age or older, has antibodies to SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19, either from vaccination or infection that can serve as a foundation for the protection provided by the new ones. Or not at all, because every single peer-reviewed study that has come out about this has told you that natural immunity is lasting, durable, and robust. Every single one of them. Actually, I know I should have grabbed this one too, but let's find it. I'm going to show you a couple of them. Now, I, I, as you guys might have seen, those that follow the show, fill people in in the chat. I have shown you probably 15 different peer-reviewed studies from Science, Science Org, or what is it, the Science Direct uh, Journal. I mean, ev I mean, every one of you could imagine, that are, including the Lancet, including the NIH, which I might as well grab that one since that's easy. Where you can see the NIH saying right here in 2021, lasting immunity found after recovery from COVID-19. It's not that hard to see this. Here's the one I keep showing in the past that seems to be the most important, going all the way up to Omicron, that simply says, we all, there's just no doubt here, our study demonstrates that convalescent subjects, people that have recovered, previously infected with the original strain, produce antibodies that cross-neutralize emerging variants of concern with high potency. Read through it. It talks about every angle of this. It's not just one weird version of antibodies. You have T, you have T cells and memory B and the whole, the way your immune system is supposed to work if you never took an injection and got sick with whatever in the beginning. This is still to this day, this is the, the, the level of the science. But here they are going, oh, but just take, it, it'll, it'll build a foundation for the things we'll give you that will remove that immunity from your body. Oh, that's not what he said, but that's the truth. That's the reality of the situation when you realize that the, Data that you can find across everywhere you look shows you innate immune suppression, dysregulation of your immune system in lymphocytopenia. Peer-reviewed science, guys, but they're just trusting this not science, apparently. COVID-19 continues to be a very real risk for many people. No, no. Some, maybe, if you believe that they're extra super sensitive to certain things, the vast majority of people are not at risk, at least less than the flu. And we encourage individuals to consider staying current with vaccination, including with the bivalent shot. 
the new available data continue to demonstrate that vaccines prevent the most serious outcomes of COVID-19, which are serious illness, hospitalization, and death. So they're just lying wholesale to you right now, across the board. That's what's happening today. FDA authorizes changes to simplify the ones they're already giving. And then it gets worse. FDA authorizes second, second Omicron shot for booster and adult. Okay, so let me ask you something. It's odd and very telling, don't you think, that they update and amend their um, ability to emergency authorize. And, you know, no, it's just about the old ones, though. We're just updating it to make sure it's more simple. And then 10 seconds later, go, oh, well, here's a new shot, too, though. Authorize the new one, too. And then I get shoehorned in because we just changed it. And therefore, yep, you keep going. Here, This is the new one. Are we really going to pretend like this wasn't it done for that? It's obvious to me. FDA authorizes second Omicron updated COVID booster. And my point was the key word is authorizes, which means emergency use authorization, despite the supposed emergency just ending. So if there is no emergency, despite the extensions and the public, the point is the national emergency is over. So if there's no emergency, which we know regardless of whether they tell us there's a stated emergency, why use the emergency use authorization? Which, by the way, don't forget, implies very clearly limited and rapid review because it's an emergency. Right? This, we've made this very clear. You know why? Because it allows limited and rapid review. That's why. Because you realize that the bivalent shots, as I'll show you right now, have been roundly seen to be dangerous. But it's not just the bivalent. It's all of them. The science is undeniably clear. So what we're dealing with here is the use of something that allows them to keep this game going. Benefits outweigh the risks has been used because that's why emergency authorization works. It's only ever meant to be used in a situation where you're and it, just because there is an emergency doesn't mean you're supposed to emergency authorize things. It just means if sometimes in an emergency, you can still do your due diligence. That's how it used to work anyway. But th there, there was the option, though, to say, OK, well, because of the nature of this emergency, we just can't do it the way we want to. Or alternatively, it's that, well, because of the emergency, people are at extra exponential risk. So the time it might take to research, they'll die. So it makes sense to us to give them this thing, even though we haven't studied it enough, because they're going to die. And we, it'll make sense to help them. Well, that's the point was we know that now they lied to us about the people were going to die. They lied to us about the risk to push the idea that we needed to rush through and make this happen just in case. As I keep joking, lack of safety for your safety. But this is easy to look up. You can look it up on their own pages. Look up the EUA on FDA, the CDC, and they'll make it generally clear that it's meant to be done in a time where you just can't get it done the right way. So you realize that we have a situation where we can argue that the benefits we know outweigh the risks that we know. But it implies unknowns on both sides. It's so very clear. So my point is, if we're in a situation where there is no risk, or rather, serious risk. There's no emergency. There's no time-sensitive rush. There's no reason they can't do their due diligence. Why don't they do it the proper way? Because then we would realize in real time that these things are killing people. Because the studies would have to be done. Studies like this that very clearly found in September 2022 that Pfizer and Moderna's own data, secondary analysis of serious adverse events, so death, hospitalization, and disability, reported in the placebo-controlled phase three random controlled trials of Pfizer and Moderna 
So these people, high-level individuals, including Peter Doshi from the British Medical Journal, broke down the phase three trials from both of them. And as you've seen before, found the exact opposite of what we were sold. In this case, the Pfizer side of it was the worst, which showed a 36% higher risk of serious adverse events in the vaccine group compared to placebo, which means that if you take the injection versus nothing at all, you have a 36% increased risk of death, hospitalization, or disability. There is no misunderstanding that. This hasn't been pulled back because it's about as sound as it gets. So the point is that this is about pushing you into a situation where they hope you can rush these through yet again and then blame whatever they want to blame it on. It was the COVID or the new thing we don't know about, or it was the fact that you didn't take them, they got sick, or all the things they've already tried to push. It's very, very sad. Now, by the way, on a quick side note, Tom Jones here points out that he got the same thing three times in a row just trying to DM me. And by the way, I've heard this from like 10 different people who they, they try to shoot me a DM with some important information and their account gets locked. Thanks, Elon Musk. Fighting for free speech as always. But another booster shot, whatever that means. The FDA on Tuesday authorized a second dose of Omicron-targeted COVID-19. So what they're basically giving you is another opportunity to take the same bivalent that's killing people. As well as those with weak immune systems. So here's a shot that destroys your immune system for people with immune systems that are struggling. Good job, right? That's like saying, you must take this thing that hurts your heart before heart surgery. Otherwise, we won't let you have the heart surgery. It's we, People have lost their minds. The agency has also updated the shot that would become new primary COVID vaccine and withdrew its emergency authorization for the older ones. Probably because you're not allowed to. I mean, the argument, there's so many arguments to the emergency authorization, whether or not the national emergency exists or whether it's under public health, Three, uh, 319 or prep act, whatever else. The bottom line is they have approved alternatives, even though they've never been given, whether or not they even exist. They have on paper approved to both Moderna and Pfizer, both Comirnaty and Spikefax. They have other uses, even their supposed Paxlovid, which is not safe, but they say it is, but they also have Ivermectin and other things. These are alternative uses. All of those things make emergency authorization not valid. I've made this clear. I've shown you their own documentation. So that's probably why they removed the emergency authorization from the older one, just to argue that there's probably some loophole in that. I, I, this, either, no matter how you spin this, this is unjustified. Now, I could, I could read through this all day. The bottom line here, guys, watch this, by the way. This is a, a post on our Substack, which, by the way, you should support our Substack. As always, Scott's doing a great job of breaking down the daily wrap-up and adding more to it that really does flesh this stuff out. Net harm. Peer-reviewed science shows COVID injections harm outweigh potential benefits, which, by the way, is the whole point, isn't it? So their whole argument for emergency authorization is, yet again, that the benefits outweigh the risks. But we know that's not true. This is them blatantly and on the record ignoring the peer-reviewed science because of their own findings, not how this is supposed to work. So here is your peer-reviewed science on the booster specifically. And yes, it's the same one. And you know this. Booster mandates, so mandating these things expected to cause a net harm. So there's no one misunderstanding that. Take Making kids take these shots cause more harm than good. So the benefits don't outweigh the risks. Shocking. As it says, to prevent one hospitalization from whatever we call COVID-19. In a six-month period, they estimated they would have to give 31,207 
between 31,207 and 42,836 young adults aged 18 to 29, three different mRNA shots just to stop one hospitalization. Do you realize that there's risk just whether or not these were even deadly? Giving 42,000 people shots is almost guaranteed to cause more than one hospitalization just by default. But then you realize they anticipated 18.5 serious adverse events, death, hospitalization, permanent disability. 18.5 to maybe stop one hospitalization. Peer-reviewed science, which, by the way, is still not pulled down by the editors. So what are we talking about? The benefits don't outweigh the risks. So they can't emergency authorize unless we realize this is a broken, this this is a captured agency that doesn't care. Well, to give you some of the other more important things, again, that we know that their own data from the beginning showed you these were killing people from the very start. They didn't care. This one is in regard to the overall risk in general from January 2023, the Ionitis Group, which regardless of the new, I guess, anti, <laughs> what's a good term to call these people? Pro-vax is not even the right word because this has nothing to do with that. This is about chemical genetic manipulation that is killing people. These are, you know, pro-gene therapy people out there are pretending that now Ionitis is fake news because they said he said the one wrong thing. Or like the British Medical Journal is now a rag because they, you know, these people with decades long standing as one of the leading journals in the, in the world suddenly get cast aside as conspiracy theorists because the Twitter moms don't like it. It's just sad how this is working. The bottom line is this is sound peer-reviewed science. And what they find at, at a global level, pre-vaccination, so before they ever were given, the infection fatality rate may have been as low as 0.03 for under 59 and 0.07 for under 69. So 70 and below, this is well below any risk that we call, the, like we deem flu risk. And you go all the way down to under 19, 0.0003% infection rate, I mean your risk of dying. And yet you're forcing this on children right now? You're in fact arguing that children can get three shots of Pfizer? This is dangerous, man. And then we have this one as well from 2020, which is also from the Ionitis group. So it seems that they have been consistent from the beginning. This is from September 2020. And what did it find? It won't surprise you. People under 65 have very small risk of COVID death, even in pandemic epicenters. And yet, it kept going. As always, the point is, the trust the science crowd were not even looking at all the science. They were trusting what they were told to look at. Now, the other point that I wanted to make in regard to this, where they're sitting, they're saying that basically the evidence is that we all have antibodies and, you know, whether from vaccination or infection or so on, right? Well, they leave one important part of that out, which also completely throws a wrench into the discussion about what this really is, which, as always, I've continued to show you is that in July of 2020, Nature, which is one of the ones I didn't mention, one of the leading journals in health and, and science, they found, I th seemingly by accident, they did a study about SARS-CoV-2 T-cell immunity, and the uninfected controls also had antibodies. That's the interesting part. SARS-CoV-2 T-cell immunity in uninfected controls. Now, how do you explain that? Well, the article posits that it's most likely from SARS before or from the common cold, or I add possibly that if this was something circulating, that we that we have discussion of this circulating long before we talked about it in China. So whichever one you think is the case, these people have specific T-cell level immunity to whatever they're telling you this is in 2020. Why don't we talk about that? 
because they don't want you to know because it ruins the entire narrative. Or how about we do it again in March of 2021 and find out that a majority, in fact, of adults who are still uninfected show pre-existing antibody reactivity. Same point. So again, all of this shows you that people were already, this is probably just a common cold repackaged and manipulated, some flu, same kind of game, that people already had this, and yet now, even still, they're pointing and going, well, where was it? Right here. Uh... That's weird. Where does this come from? I just lost my spot. Anyway, the bottom line being that, oh, it was this, where it says this part right here, that they're just acting like, well, vaccination, infection, and so on. Well, obviously, there's something more than that. On top of that, this is not about building a foundation. As we just showed you, it's lasting, durable, and robust, according to the NIH even. But I guess that doesn't matter. Go ahead and keep taking them, though, so we can keep destroying your immune system, which is what's happening. This is April 2022. Innate immune suppression by mRNA injections. I guess they're not trusting the science, right? And microRNAs, by the way. We'll make a point about that in a second. Or, wait a minute. Oh, I did. Is it the end? No, where did I put that? I guess I forgot. Oh, no, it's coming up. Okay. See, so I feel like I'm jumping ahead. In any case, the point. mRNA vaccines promote sustained production. They continue to make the spike protein. It is, in fact, neurotoxic, and it does impair your DNA repair mechanisms. It does uh, it, it, it potentially cause increased risk to infectious diseases and cancer, which we do know. Oh, and it results in innate, impaired innate immunity, but it increases other infections, including whatever we're calling COVID and turbo cancers. We've seen a lot of conversation about codon optimization results in G-rich mRNA that has unpredictable complex effects. They don't like that science, though, right? Now, we've talked about this all the way back in December 28th, 2022, and this is about the immune system. The COVID injections are dangerous and no one should be taking them which of course was censored everywhere. Well, let's not forget this conversation. And this adds to the same immune conversation. This is Igor uh, uh, Chudov's substack. We talked about this back in December, 2022. Booster caused, and this was, the, this was the, the point of this discussion. Booster caused IgG4 immune tolerance explains excess mortality and chronic COVID. Bottom line is it's, pr it's producing the wrong kind of, of immunity. It, the bottom line is, if I remember correctly, it's dealing with these things as if it was something like an allergy, like a, like an peanut allergy. And it's creating a situation where your body allows it to continue. Basically, that's what he's saying is that people end up with this never ending low level sickness. It's causing people to never be able to. And then eventually with very serious side effects. So here is another study on top of that, making the same point. And this is between I for those that don't IgG4 versus IgG3. Now, what it says is IgG4 antibodies induced by mRNA vaccines generate immune tolerance to SARS-CoV-2 spike protein. So instead of doing something to fight it, it allows it to be there and it doesn't fight it off anymore. By suppressing the immune system, it says 67.7% of the total population received at least one injection. Increasing evidence has shown they do not produce sterilizing immunity allowing people to suffer frequent reinfections, which we know now. Concerns that, and then they lied up and down about that and still do to the some, some degree. Concerns that mRNA vaccines could induce immune tolerance. It says, could complicate the clinical course of COVID-19 infection. Recent investigations have found that high IgG4 levels in people who were administered two or more injections of mRNA. It has been suggested that the, an increase in IgG4 levels could have a protecting role 
by preventing immune overactivation, similar to that occurring during successful allergen-specific immunotherapy by inhibiting IgGE-induced effects. So you could effectively stop your body from overreacting, like by taking some allergy medicine, right? It says altogether, evidence suggests that the reported increase in IgG4 levels detected after repeated vaccination with mRNA vaccines is not a protective mechanism. Rather, it may be a part of the immune tolerance mechanism to the spike protein that could promote unopposed SARS-CoV-2 infection and replication by suppressing natural antiviral responses. You know, so removing the things that you gain, that you might have already had, which we already know this conversation, right? We've talked about this many different times. The idea that this does, in fact, remove antibodies from your blood. And your COVID-19 vaccine, you're going to want to listen to this. The Red Cross says anyone who has received their COVID-19 vaccine cannot donate convalescent plasma to help other COVID-19 patients in hospitals. That plasma is made up of antibodies from people who have recovered from the virus, but the vaccine wipes out those antibodies, making the convalescent plasma ineffective in treating other COVID-19 patients. They've been running from that story for a long time. And now even the and the American Red Cross, which I highly recommend you run from at this point, has openly stated as of the end of 2022 that there's no evidence it enters your blood. Well, we know that's not true. In fact, I followed up with that very tweet and said, except here's the evidence right here that proves that you're wrong. What do you have to say? And of course, they said absolutely nothing. Let's see if I can grab it real quick. Here we go. Bingo. It's important to see this. We don't label our blood products as containing vaxxed or unvaxxed. Why? Well, it does not enter the bloodstream. And I simply said, yet another peer-reviewed study finds you're wrong. How is that? We can know this, and you're still standing by that statement. You're putting people in danger. This study says SARS-CoV-2 spike mRNA vaccine sequences circulate in the blood up to 28 days after COVID. That's on PubMed, NIH, National Library of Medicine. But apparently, they still haven't responded. Chirp, crickets, nothing. Nothing. So, What's up, American Red Cross? Do you care? Apparently not. Isn't that crazy? Now, the point is they've been running from this the entire time. They know this. I don't know if the Red Cross knows what we're talking. The bottom line is at some level, somebody is forcing that hand. They do not want this to be clear. The Red Cross made statements, and then they got shut up by it. They got shut down. And suddenly, they were lying about it. I proved this on numerous shows where they got caught in real time. I spoke to them on the phone, and they admitted that it was ruining the samples. That's, that's the real the work that we do on the show, just like when I call the groups lying about dealing with dioxins. It's that simple. And the point is that this is causing your body to basically allow unimpeded re replication. It's continuing. That, that doesn't, that, this is affecting not just whatever we're calling COVID. Your body, and that is, his, your immune system is broken. It says IgG4-induced suppression of the immune system due to repeated vaccination can also cause, guess what? autoimmune diseases, promotes cancer growth, and autoimmune myocarditis. Oh, weird. Exactly what we're seeing in all of these people, but totally not connected, though. Well, I highly recommend you check out his work on this because it's very obvious. On top of that, don't forget, oh, oh another study, by the way, class switched toward non-inflammatory spike-specific IgG4 antibodies after repeated SARS-CoV-2 vaccination. January 2023, another study. Right? I mean, think about how ridiculous it is that we can find this stuff. And we've already shown you this. Here we report that several months after the second vaccination, SARS-CoV-2 specific antibodies were increasingly composed of IgG4. So it's treating it like it's some kind of suppressive as opposed to fighting off an illness. But it's saying, uh, bottom line, the class which was associated with a reduced capacity 
the spike protein antibodies to mediate antibody-dependent cellular, uh, whatever that one is. Bottom line is it's causing your body to, to hurt itself with antibody-dependent enhancement type actions, but it's also creating a situation where you keep getting sick, it doesn't stop it, and you're still spreading it. Probably by design. This does sound like a bioweapon situation. But here, don't forget that Igor is also pointing out, as we did a whole show about this, that, th that you could prove, based on their own data, that they have something marked July 23, 2019, but it's marked as, uh, which one was it? Uh, well, I, I did a whole show on this. Make sure you check this out. As they, you could see that it's marked novel coronavirus vaccine. But before we're supposed to know about this, how is that possible? This is from their own video. I actually vetted this myself. I found the actual video. I paused it and broke it down. And sure enough, the point is this is 2019 and there's a thing in their freezer that, you, that his point is that it wasn't frozen over like some of these. And it says that right on the thing. So clearly there is something going on here for knowledge. Last point on this, Chief Nerd points out, we documented 25 instances where the CDC reported statistical or numerical errors, otherwise known as lies, in my opinion, 20, 80% of those just so happened to lie in the direction of COVID is more dangerous. What do you think happened? I'll let you decide for yourself. It's crazy to me. And what's interesting, by the way, this was posted March 23rd and then revised April 17th. What is that? This is a study. That's not some peer review process. Where, okay, where does it say what, what changed? That's pretty weird to me. So now we're able to just update or revise posted peer-reviewed studies? <laughs> Welcome to the technocratic panopticon, guys. This is where we're going. But regardless, it's this obvious. 25 times you got it wrong? Okay, then why do we trust them still? Worse, I think it's obvious that they exaggerated the severity of COVID-19 for very, very clear reasons. Now, lastly... I think this is very important to understand the illusion with the, the Bayer system. Let me see what this was. Oh, I did have more in there. I'm going to have to end this actually right here. We were going to get into the turbo cancer as well, but I'm going to come back to that. There's a whole point about this in regard to the, that's what I was going to point out before. Don't forget, Elon Musk partners with Gates funded biotech company to produce mRNA micro factories. Right after he just said this, don't forget. You know, I was just going to piss some people off, but I need to emphasize that accelerating synthetic mRNA technology is another silver lining. It's going to be a revolution in medicine. Yeah, that guy. But I'm also going to talk about the fact that lab-grown meat could potentially cause cancer and the problems therein, and that Bill Gates is behind a lot of this, but we'll get into that in a future show. This point is what I want to talk about to finish. So Professor Norman Fenton says the MHRA is not fit for purpose. This is a slide from a recent talk by June Rain, who we've mentioned before, CEO of the MHRA. Now, remember that. She's the CEO. I didn't even know that in the last points I was making about her. It supposedly shows the number of yellow card reports of adverse reactions and so on per 100,000 of the population. Well, this is obviously not correct. I saw that right away when I looked at this because it's basically insinuating that it, it was worse before COVID-19 and it's only gone down since. In fact, it's verifiably not the case. And this is what he points out. Can it possibly be correct that the number of reports decreased in 2021, the year COVID vaccines were introduced? The slide suggests about 43 reports per 100,000. It's about 2,800 total reports from the whole of the UK, right? <laughs> we could obviously, we know that's not the case by their own reporting so far. So what happened? 
It says, yet we know from the other MHRA reports that between Mar January 2021 and March 2023, there were 474,018 separate yellow card reports with COVID vaccine adverse events. In fact, we have other obvious evidence that June Rains slide, this was a slide report she gave recently, excludes COVID vaccine reports entirely. Now, why would you do that? Here's table one from the Wales Yellow Card Annual Report in 2022. Note that it says very clearly that it does, in fact, exclude COVID vaccine reports. It's right here. For the years 20 to 2021 and 21 to 2022, the number of yellow card reports that they include in their public information does not include reports of suspected adverse drug reactions. I can't even believe they're willing to state that because you realize that Everything in the yellow card system is a, is a suspected adverse reaction. Everything. That's what the system is. That's like saying that in Bayer's, we omit the ones we don't know when literally everything on there is stuff that you're not sure about. And that's how you dismiss it all anyway. I mean, it's, it's, I, I think they're trapping themselves now in their own broken logic. It's pretty, it's pretty funny in a cob way because despite the fact that people are dying because of this, but it goes on to say that. So why was June rain? Why did she put out a slide? In November 2022, so in the end of last year, titled Making Medicine Safer, which boasted about how important the yellow card system was and yet completely ignored all of the COVID reports that are supposed to be important. Something else is very revealing about the slide that she put out, and you can watch it right here. The very different regional reporting rates means there must be some massive underreporting of adverse events generally. In Scotland reporting rates less than a third of, the, of Wales. There, excuse me. There was a push to ensure more reporting in Wales, but this only proves how much underreporting there is in the rest of the country. Drugs aren't any more dangerous in Wales than anywhere else. The MHRA makes it almost impossible to get any simple summary national data on yellow card reports, just like I keep telling you the CDC has been doing for years. And they have now stopped publishing their COVID vaccine reports entirely. Do you see what's happening? We, I mean, I know you guys do. It's been happening the entire time. This is a careful shelving this and putting it behind us. Acting like we, we, we won. And you know we won already. Mission accomplished. Except the new one's coming, but let's pretend like we won this and we did well the past time. So we're just going to apply the same broken metrics, broken system and infrastructure to the new thing. Lockdowns, masks, and COVID shots. The same game. Anyway, he says, when we include the COVID vaccine reports, here's what it actually looks like. That's the difference. Easily, easy to verify, guys, and it's public information. I just showed you that they are actively and knowingly withholding that from the the graph. This is what it would look like. Why would they do that? I think you know why, but it's inherently dishonest. Whatever you think, he says. And uh, this this uh, count did an analysis of the yellow card data in 2022, and here's what it looks like. I mean, my God, look at this. That's crazy. That's what they're hiding from you. Now, the other point I want to make, oh, I just did that so I wouldn't miss it, is this thing that I've shown you many times. So it, it makes sense of this for me. Oh, you're kidding me. <laughs> did you see that? You saw it, it highlighted, didn't you? Apparently, this article was just put behind a paywall. Are they watching what I'm looking at? It wasn't on a paywall an hour ago. But guess what? I bet you we can find it anyway. How hilarious is that? I should have taken a stupid screenshot. If I can't find this, I'm going to be very mad because that's they won. <laughs> they, they won that little exchange. So let's see. Come on. It's got to be there. 
Good. Gotcha. And this is why archive is important. Look at, oh, let me show you what they just tried to hide, if that's even what's happening. But I, I you explain that's that strange. You saw that I had it highlighted. I, it, it caught it for a second, then it just went behind a paywall. Here's what it says right here. It says the MHRA. In two, this is 2006. I've mentioned this many times before because this is the same person. What I was going to say was, explain for me how June Rain, 2006, in this new discussion, let me just close this, can be arguing that, or just, you know, without not arguing, but just remove all of these reports. And still, by the way, in current conversations, arguing that, you know, we just don't know. And then... Compare that to what she said in 2006. Now, this doesn't just change. These don't change based on the new years and new viruses, whatever. This is the same thing that we're dealing with with VAERS. Here's what she actually said right here. The MHRA urged healthcare professionals to use the yellow card scheme. She says, quote, there is no need to prove that the medicine caused the adverse reaction. Just the suspicion is good enough, said the CEO of the MHRA. June Rain of the agency, which is which has provided posters for doctors to hang in their surgeries, encountering encountering encou encouraging patients to report too. New drugs are marked in the British national formula uh, formulary, the the drug prescribes Bible, with a black triangle. It was important that all suspected adverse side effects in such medicines were reported. Let me read the most important part again. She says on the record there is no need to prove any of these reports. MHRA is VAERS in the UK. It's what it is. Okay? There's no need to even prove them. Just the reaction, just the thought, the, the worry. Enough reporting, pull it. We saw that with a previous swine flu discussion. We've seen that, I think it was in the 70s as well as not too long ago, where we had something like 50 reports, not proven, 50 reports, and they pulled it. So again, if you can't see that you're being played by the way they're doing this today, by acting like, it's theirs. It's un it's we don't know for sure. So we pull it or we don't talk about it or we we keep giving it till we know you're being played. June Rain clearly knew that when you have this level, you have a problem. So why is she not saying that today? Why are they allowing this or this right here to actually be the reality? That is what we're looking at, guys, and they don't care. Either you're being paid off or you're corrupt, I mean, or just or you don't care. I mean, I don't even know. Like, how else do you read that? She knows better and is just not saying, in fact, she's lying about it today. Now, here's Coronavirus Plushy pointing out that enough of a safety signal in Bayer's to stop the shots in January 2021. Right? We had enough safety signals, not provable anything, but just the signals, which is how this is supposed to work, suggesting that it's that it was already too high in 2021. Now, just because this narrative was spun about how anti-vaxxers are doing that, well, that's just a statement. Nobody's even investigated to find that out, and I don't even know how you would. So it became the idea that, well, we don't know, so therefore we can't use it. Except those people were stupid enough to buy that that was the case, even though that's how the system was built. That you don't need to prove them. That you just need the signal. It says, why were these safety signals ignored? If use of VAERS as a pharmacovigilance tool is waived, immunity from liability of pharma companies should also be waived. I agree with that. Only a percentage of people report to VAERS. And that's the, that's the other part to point out. In the UK, it's somewhere between 3 and 10%, I guess. And the United States, Harvard, and HHS found in their own reporting of the VAERS system that it's basically 1% of the total. 
on average. And so yet now we've got 99% of everything ever reported in the system coming between the last two years, and yet they still ignore it. And that's only 1%. Number of reports from the past 10 years dwarfed by numbers of reports in just 2021. Adverse events in all age groups with reporting rate, rate going up faster in zero to four than all other groups. Yet again, focusing on the children. Here's what Jessica Rose, PhD, had to say about it. Uh, a new bill would allow 16 and... That's not right. This one. A very important point, and I will provide some background on VAERS, but I want to throw this up here. Um, it's very important. We had enough of a safety signal from VAERS to stop the rollout of these products from a safety signal perspective in January. I'm talking like the first month after the rollout started in December 17th. So on the left here, these are absolute numbers, which I chose to show here because I want to reinforce that these are people, not data points. Um, we had almost 90,000 um, entries into VAERS uh, spread across many age groups and almost 700 deaths. Now, the last time, uh, to my knowledge, a product went onto the market and killed more than 50 people, that product was pulled. Uh, VAERS has functioned and does function as a pharmacovigilance tool in that when a safety signal is detected, such as was the case in 1999, when a handful of intussusception cases was detected in VAERS, causality assessment was done and the rotavirus vaccine was subsequently pulled. So my question here, this isn't intussusception, this is death. What's the cutoff for the number of people who are considered allowed to die? or become disabled, or have neurological conditions, or et cetera, et cetera, before the product is pulled. I even the, the problem with this is that, you know, she's I, Jessica Rose is outstanding, and she's being very logical, right? But the problem is that you're not going to win with this argument for people that have just, the, the narrative is, it's all full of anti-vaxxers and fake news, okay? The way to win with those people is to point out that that doesn't matter. The system is not designed to prove these are happening, right? That's how we have to, I mean, even then, I bet someone in that mindset's not going to care, I think. But regardless, that if you're trying to come from an angle of saying that, well, you know, how, what, and what's the cutoff here at the point of these deaths? Well, you have to make the point that, well, you don't know all those are in fact caused by the vaccine, which is the inherent point to the system. They could report it and it could have been, it could have been caused by something else. But we know that the signal is so far above anything we've ever seen before you don't need to nitpick it's done it's past that we've crossed the line in 2021 which is her point but what i'm saying is uh, this is important to reach people that are interested in the truth which is why i want you guys to see it because jessica rose is outstanding but on top of that you need to find a way to reach the people that don't understand that the system was designed a certain way right that's an important clip a part to add to this a better question might be why aren't we even asking questions? Uh, why aren't the CDC, the HHS, and the FDA, the owners of this data, uh, asking questions? Why aren't they doing the, the assessments that they always have been doing in the past? Such and, and that's the important thing to realize. I've proven this at least four different times, by their own statements, in fact. Remember in the beginning, they said that ever, they're, they're, proving them, they're proving all of them, and we're disproving all the... They weren't doing any of that. It's been proven roundly that they haven't even, as far as I can tell, even begun to investigate any of these. They're, they, they, not only that, they don't have the resources to do. The numbers are so far beyond what they can even begin to try to do based on the resources they have. They just didn't do it. And I've, that's actually been proven. So the point is they're not even trying.
and yet still acting like, well, we know it's a bunch of fake news. Think about how dishonest that is. As causality assessments or Bayesian analyses or PRR studies. Why? So I propose something here, if I may, because VAERS was introduced 30 years ago. As I'm actually going to go ahead and let you guys watch this. I got to get running. But the point is, I love this point, right? Well, obviously, then if you're waving the tool that we use to gauge whether there's a problem, well, then why do they have immunity? And I think we know why. I think we know this is not about logic or law. There's a much more dangerous reality taking place right now. But I want to finish with the one of the most obvious points in all of this, as I've shown many times, which is not just that they're hiding all of this behind an, a wall of it's all fake news, but the actual reports that they are hiding from any of it. Right. The idea that we have these people that are not even reporting these things because they're being told, no, 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 it doesn't even count. Why? Well, because this death just so happened within two weeks of the first dose. And we have we know that's 14 to 21 days in Scotland. They're using 21 days. And as I want to make clear, this is a Wayback Machine version of Alberta. They put this out and both cases, hospitalizations and deaths say the same thing. They're either considered unvaccinated or so it was like 62% of these are unvaccinated or diagnosed in the first two weeks. So they're showing you it's the same thing. So if they are deemed to have COVID within two weeks of the shot, that's called unvaccinated. If they go to the hospital within two weeks of the first shot, they call that unvaccinated. If they die within two weeks of the first shot, they call that unvaccinated. Now, why does that make sense to anybody? And before, make sure we realize the reason that they deleted this part, and that's why I have it in the Wayback Machine, is because it got, became quickly clear the data showed you the truth, which is, as you can see, with that thing I just showed you combined with this, that if you notice that the cases we're talking about here, total cases, spike aggressively within the first 20 days, what it means is that the vast majority, over 80% of the cases, are happening within the first 20 days of the shot, which means most of those are being dismissed or labeled unvaccinated. Same thing with hospitalizations. It's even more tightly controlled, but at least 20 days. So again, the vast majority of the hospitalizations that are taking place in general, as you can see, in general, are happening within the first 20 days of the shot, which get called unvaccinated hospitalizations. Same thing for the death, with it even more stark. So what does that mean? Is that they're systematically pushing off all the deaths, hospitalizations, and cases that happen in the most, the highest situation they happen in any of the frames we're talking about into the unvaccinated discussion, which makes it look like that's where everybody's getting sick, dying, and going to the hospital. So that being said, which is obviously happening in all of these conversations, it's important to ask the real question. Why is that even logical? Why is that even being stated? Well, I'll tell you why they pretend it makes sense because they go, well, we're arguing that the vaccine doesn't kick in until 14 days. Oh, okay. So even though we know it's not effective and it's actually dangerous, let's just pretend that it has an effect. What they're saying is it doesn't produce the antibodies, which fights COVID for till 14 days. Oh, so you're implying that everything we're dealing with is all COVID related. I see. So you're lying. So the point is that any side effects that have nothing to do with antibody production, that have nothing to do with the effectiveness or lack thereof of the injection, are also being blamed on COVID, which we already know, by the way. But see in the implicit in the insinuation there. So you take the injection and three days later have a heart attack. Why is that somehow linked to whether the vaccine is effective?
You see the game being played? So now we're just broadly going anything that happens in 14 days is somebody who never had a shot. That is the most criminal thing I've ever seen in all of this. There's no logic there, not even scientifically. That's just dumping off anything that might be connected to some, and, and, and on paper writing, they never even had a shot. That's criminal activity, guys. I just think that's as obvious as it's ever going to get. And I think people see through it. So thank you for continuing to support this platform and continuing to fight for the truth because you're winning. Like really understand that. That's not just me saying that to make you feel better. You are winning. You have reached people. We have reached people. They are now responding to us. Now that may change. That may change in a month, a week, tomorrow. But right now, it's different. Before they, we had to try to force these things in front of people. Today, they're trying to shout us down, which shows you that we are reaching people more than ever. And that's why 50% of this country sees through the two-party illusion. So keep fighting, guys. You're having an effect. And don't get bogged down by the narratives of the corporate media. They're desperate. They are dying structures, and they know it. You are the future. I love you all. As always, question everything. Come to your own conclusions. Stay vigilant.